Welcome to Ion Franchising. Are you looking for business opportunities? Well, you are in the right place. We represent over 650 franchises and business opportunities. We will help you find your perfect franchise for free. We even have a free assessment on our website that will help us determine what the best business is for you based on your investment level, mindset, skill set, and life experiences. This is Ion Franchising, where we share our vision for your franchise future. I'm your host, Lance Growler. Each week, we will speak to fascinating folks from the world of franchising, franchisors and founders, franchise funders, and franchisees. Are you looking to find your perfect franchise? Or perhaps you are an independent business owner looking to grow and scale your business by setting up a franchise. Either way, our team can help you. Ion Franchising, where you will learn the A to Zs of franchise. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another fabulous episode. At least I hope. No, it's going to be a fabulous one, I promise. Got two great guys, Ion Franchising, Lance Gralick. I am the host. So today, we are going to talk home services, one of my favorite categories of the world of franchising. Two guests today, the first gentleman, 15 years in the world of franchising. He is the executive director of franchise development for this fabulous brand. Welcome to the show, Luke Schulte. And uh, the brand today is Handyman Connection. Welcome, Luke. Thanks, Lance. So excited to be here. Well, I am so excited that we have you on. And uh, even more exciting than you is the man, the myth, the legend coming up next. So this guy, 32 years. He doesn't even look that old. No. And uh, 32 years in the world of franchising and home services. And, uh, oh, he's going to tell you this wonderful story. So he's the president and CEO of Handyman Connection. This is Mr. Jeff Wall. So welcome, Jeff. How you doing? Thanks, Lance. Appreciate the uh, the intro there. And and no, Luke, I'm not more important than you. No, no. You guys are both awesome. So guys, let's uh, <laughs> let's start with the history. How the heck did you get into franchising? What were your intentions in life? I always love to hear the story of how people get into franchising because in some cases, it's like this lab accident gone wrong, <laughs> like how Spider-Man became Spider-Man. So uh, let's start off with that stuff. Yeah, so I'll I'll mine's a little bit shorter, so it'll it'll be more succinct here. But um, no, I I went to uh, art school, and so I have a degree in painting, drawing, and printmaking. It means I'm qualified to ask you if you would like that coffee in a tall grande or venti cup. Would you um, like fries with that? Yeah, yeah. So after college, uh, you know, I decided I want to move to Chicago, where Jeff's from. Didn't meet Jeff then. But I took the first job that would cover my living expenses, and that happened to be with a commercial cleaning franchise. Um, and that's kind of how I got my feet wet in franchising. Uh, that was an interesting business. I got to see some good, some bad, and some super ugly stuff. Left the world of franchising because it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. And then my uncle uh, was the one that reintroduced me to home services, specifically you know, business to customer you know, related businesses and fell in love with home services and haven't looked back. Love it. Wonderful. And uh, so Jeff, let's, uh, let's hear this. This is going to be a oh good boy. one. Oh <laughs> boy. You know, Luke, Luke, uh, Luke was very succinct there. I'm, I'm going to bring you back. So I, uh, <laughs> I was going to school at the University of Illinois. So go, uh, go Illini. And I was a finance and business major. And uh, after my freshman year of college, I had an internship at a major bank, downtown Chicago. 
I was going uh, going on the train every morning, suit and tie. You know, this was, uh, you know, I, with all the businessmen, businesswomen, uh, getting up early, going to, I actually had an office or a cubicle back in, in uh, 1989. And I, I worked at this big bank. And I remember coming home uh, after a few weeks of, of being at this bank. It was a paid internship too. And I looked at my mom and I'm like, mom, I'm uh, I, like, I hate this. Like I'm screwed. She's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, mom, I, uh, I, I don't like business. I don't like working at the bank. I, I, I'm in trouble and I'm a business major. He's like, well, Jeff, that's, that's why they call it a job, right? You know, thanks mom. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I continue doing this. And, and if, again, for those of your audience, 1989 was, was awesome for a lot of different things, but, uh, the internet didn't exist at that point. So killing time uh, in, in 1989 or, or back in the old days was uh, was a bit more challenging. <laughs> you couldn't just get lost on, on TikTok and uh, or Facebook you know, or Facebook or the apps. You know, there was there was nothing to do. And, and not that I thought I should be running the bank, but I was uh, I, I felt I was underutilized. So I go back to school my, my sophomore year, still in the dorm rooms at, at Illinois. And I got a flyer under my dorm room door that said, earn $10,000 next summer. And I was like, well, this is probably a scam, but you know what? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to see what this is. And uh, again, back in, the, back in the time, I had to actually fill out a, a, what's called a business reply card, tear it off, send it in the mail, and, and I waited to hear back. And this gentleman called and proceeded to tell me that I could run my own business next year. And I was like, sure could. He's like, uh, it's a painting business. And I'm like, I don't know how to paint. No problem. We'll teach you. Okay. Love it. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't have any money. And he's like, no problem. We're going to, you know, upfront all your costs. Wow. So I'm like, huh, earn $10,000. I, uh, I have this, this job at, at this bank that I don't like. So I go home and I was given a, so I, I was given an interview and I was sitting in a vacant apartment building. And this gentleman's like, we're a Canadian-based company. And literally, I'm sitting on the, the countertop, looking around, going, I'm a, I'm a fool. Like, you know, I'm the, I'm the idiot, right? He, he doesn't have furniture, right? And he's trying to tell me that I can run my own business, right? And again, 1989, no internet. I can't do any research. Canadian-based company, right? You take, and, you, and you, so you believe him. And he gives me, you know, what back in the day was called a, a UFOC, a uniform franchise offering circular. The UFOC. Yep. <laughs> and now we, exactly. Now we refer to it more, you know, better terms in FDD, franchise disclosure document. And so I'm, I'm at home over the, the winter break holidays and, uh, and I'm telling my mom and my dad, I'm like, Hey, Look at this big legal document I have. I'm thinking of running a painting franchise next year. And my mom's like, no, you're not. And I was like, yeah, I kind of think I might. <laughs> and my dad looks at me and he's like, look, you, uh, you don't like it at the bank. You have always said you want to run your own business. Worst case scenario, this is a scam. If it's a scam, what's going to happen? You're going to lose all your money. You're going to probably have to drop out of school. On the plus side, you're not married. You have no kids. Uh, it'll be a good learning lesson. 
And my mom looks at him, and my mom is now crying, like hits my dad, and is like, no way. My like, son's no. going to jail. Exactly. What are you encouraging my son to do? Right? And uh, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I- I'm going to do this. Uh, so I signed a, a franchise agreement in uh, in December of 1989 to run a, a painting franchise. And uh, it turned out it was a legitimate company called College Pro Painters, which was a Canadian-based company. They had actually really had moved down from uh, from the East Coast in Canada into the Midwest for their first year. And I ran a painting franchise in the summer of 1990. And I worked my tail off. I did everything wrong. I hired my friends. And I ran a $47,000 business in the course of the summer. I made about eight grand and I loved it. I was given this freedom, this responsibility at a young age. And uh, and that's how I got involved with franchising. I, uh, I ran a I franchise it. for two years in, in college, joined the company full time after I graduated uh, from Illinois with finance and marketing degree. And have been full time in franchising uh, with College Pro Painters. I, I spent a, about 15 years with with that company, moving up the ranks. Moved over to a sister company, Serta Pro Painters, for a couple of years, and then moved over to Handyman Connection in in January of 2010, and and have been with Handyman Connection ever since. So there's my uh, my short version. Well, and I love I it. Think this le- this is all good stuff. There's a lesson to be learned here. If you go to art school, you set the bar so low that your parents are never disappointed with anything that you do after that. So, <laughs> hey, you, so you know, mom and dad were excited that I was going to go run an exterior painting business. No, but I'm saying they were disappointed because you were going to business school. And <laughs> uh, okay, so I, you know, for the listeners, I have to sort of call out something you said, Jeff, that is so important because we all know, us three know that. Typically, when somebody engages with us and has a conversation about franchise opportunities, even though that individual ends up being excited like you were, Jeff, oftentimes, like 99% of the time, they get off the phone with us and they're excited and they immediately have a conversation with their mother, father, sister, brother, spouse, best friends. And what do they all tell them? What are you nuts? What yep. are you doing? You don't know yep. anything about that. You don't have any money. You have no business experience. And and that's typically how it how it starts, which is funny. But of course, everybody's got a fear of the unknown. So let's get back to the important the really important stuff now, Jeff. So when you were with Handyman Connection, at some point, you know, you got hired there and then you became the owner. So talk about that. Talk about that transition. The uh, when I was with um, all of those companies I mentioned before, College Pro Painters, Certa Pro Painters, and and when I originally started with Handyman Connection, they were all owned by a uh, a, a great company out there called First Service Brands. And First Service Brands uh, owns a number of franchisors in the home services space. And at the end of uh, or during the my time with Handyman Connection, at, at one point. We were looking at, uh, we were being shopped to private equity. And so having gone through uh, some of the experiences of understanding that one day the company that I was working for and, and changing a strategy on and, and, and uh, uh, that I was a minority shareholder in at the time, that I could wake up one day with a new boss uh, kind of hit me hard. And so 
Two things. Once uh, once I went through the the private equity uh, experience of kind of going, wait, I, I could wake up with a new owner who has a different direction. That uh, that hit me. And the second thing is is part of our strategy statement is technology leadership. And I uh, my boss uh, who uh, right now or my old boss uh, who, who right now is the uh, the chair of the IFA. I would go to him annually, and I would say, hey. I need X amount of money for technology. And, uh, it, it, you know, eventually he looked at me and he said, you know, you ask for the most money out of all of the brands and you are by far not the biggest brand. <laughs> He's like, I can't continue to keep funding your technology requests. <laughs> so for me, in order to be able to push forward on our strategy on technology, and for uh, you know what the safety and kind of going in order to be able to execute on on our strategy in the marketplace and not have uh, the fear of somebody else walking in and, and being the majority owner, I ended up purchasing Handyman Connection out from uh, First Service Brands at the end of 2013. Love it, love it, love it. That's awesome. So talk about uh, what is Handyman Connection. So people by now are thinking, okay, great, it's a handyman service. So Talk about what that is exactly. What do you do? Sure. So I'll, I'll jump in on this one. I like to summarize it pretty basically. The reason we're called Handyman Connection is because the way we like to position ourselves, or at least position the franchisees in, in the space, is you're the business liaison between the craftsman and the customer. We're used to going up against people that I, you know, we'll call them a dude with a pickup truck and a toolbox. That's that's who our main competitors are. That's out Stan there. with the van. Yeah, same guy, Chuck with Chuck in a truck. You know, same guy there. Um, but what we're looking at though is the unique spot that we're in is a lot of the times the people that we think we're competing against are actually the people that we're looking to partner with. So we're looking to be that business liaison. We want to take on the heavy lifting of the side of the business that typical tradespeople are not in love with doing. You know, we want to look at the marketing spend. We want to look at the P&Ls. We want to look at the cart, the coaching and how we can maximize schedules and efficiencies. So what we're looking for is we're looking for somebody with a business pedigree, you know, even to the point to when a candidate comes to me and they say, hey, I love swinging a hammer. I love turning a wrench. I get a little pit in the bottom of my stomach and I say, mm, this may not be the right fit for you. Because what I'm looking for is I'm looking for somebody to champion the business side of it. And it frankly exists in a very fragmented and broken space. So that's that's kind of the gist of what we do. It's so funny that you you said that the person that actually knows how to swing a hammer is not the person that you want. And yeah. of course, the common question or comment that I get all the time from people when I show them any brand, they go, but I don't know how to do that. Perfect. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I say. And I say, perfect. And if we're on Zoom, they look at me and go, huh? <laughs> what do you mean, perfect? I've, so. I've seen in, in my space in franchising, you know, I've been with window cleaning companies. I've been with residential cleaning company, fixed garages, did painting, you know, in a competing painting business to the one Jeff had been a part of. You know, it was always something that there was this nasty cycle that the person that wanted to go out there and get on the truck and do it themselves handcuffed themselves. Yeah. Uh, so you can only grow you can, you can only be in so many places. And I'd frankly rather you spend that day looking for somebody else to execute that work for you than going out and doing the work yourself. 
So diving a step deeper on that, and this is a serious question, that the reason you don't want the person that's comfortable swinging a hammer and doing this stuff is because they will more than likely stunt their growth and and literally be will be Chuck in the truck, staying in the van, and and a, and a, the guy or gal that buys the job. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and that's that's you're a coach. You know, the the best person that I can look for is I want somebody to build a team. Craftsmen are all members of the team and you're the guy on the sidelines that's pulling the strings. Yeah. And and if you're out on the field, you know, like, I guess what? Pete Rose was the last player coach that I ever saw. Um, and look at what oh, yeah. trouble he got into. So <laughs> <laughs> we are not Pete Rose for this podcast, to be yes. clear. <laughs> Disclaimer, Pete Rose was not hurt. And making of this podcast, and he has nothing to do with handyman connection. I'm a Cardinals fan. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the investment. What is the investment for a handyman connection? How big are the territories? All that good stuff. So typically, our investment is going to range from where, and round numbers speaking here, we can go into the minute dollars and cents here, but round numbers. Somewhere between 100 to 150 would be your total investment. Okay. Um, that would include, you know, operating capital, the franchise fees, uh, all that wonderful stuff, you know, in pretty healthy territories. What we're looking at is we're looking at 100,000 households uh, within a given area. Um, and that's just the, the sort of key demographic area that you'll be focusing on. Um, obviously, there's there's opportunities for expansion with additional territories later on or um, additional regions uh, as your business progresses. Got it. And who are you looking for? We know you're not looking for the people swinging a hammer. So who is it you're looking for ideally? If you want to throw out some personality or character traits or whatever it might be, who are you really looking for? I'll give Jeff the first crack on this one. I was gonna. I was gonna joke around and say art students because apparently yeah. you know. <laughs> Luke, Luke has painted such a great picture. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you know, I, I would say our target market, and, and this is more Luke's area specialty. Uh, we're looking for probably a mid-level type executive, right? Who has a little bit of money. Uh, you know, typically we're not looking for somebody who, you know, who, who has a hundred million dollars in the bank. That's that's not who we're looking for. Uh, but generally has either some some working capital or some access to working capital through the SBA Small Business Administration. Somebody who understands or wants to invest in themselves. Mm -hmm. Somebody who uh, understands is not looking for a, a boss per se, not looking for you know us to tell you everything to do. Obviously, franchising is is very decentralized. Uh, you know, Luke works with these people more on, on a day-to-day -day basis. So I'll, I'll turn it over to Luke because I'm sure, you know, outside of the, the art students, Luke probably has a few more specific things. So I, I the, the phrase that I've stolen, uh, but I've heard it before and I, I, I love this phrase. I want somebody to be heads-on, not hands-on. So somebody that thinks about the business, somebody that wants to exist in that space. So like we described earlier, I think another thing that that we're looking for is somebody that has that entrepreneurial mindset that wants to take the business and run with it. But I think there's also some value in somebody that that sees the system. You know, we've had great success with people that, you know, have military backgrounds, somebody that's been a veteran or somebody that, you know, sees that. 
with what we do, I, I think there's one important component that we have that a lot of franchises don't is one, we're very open to people that are maybe, you know, engineer minded, you know, we don't necessarily need a high driving salesperson. This is not a sales role. You know, this is something where, again, you're as long as you have that coach's mentality, this is something that you could build to be much lar larger than than what you would uh, expect. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I will say is somebody that's tied up in what we do, probably not a good fit. I, I don't know about any of you guys, but I never knew anybody that woke up in the morning that said, man, if I could only be a handyman connection you know, person, yes. my life will be complete. You know, so you can't be it's not one of those things where you got a, a, a and wonderful businesses, but we're not a lash salon. We're not the hot new gym. We're All not right, Luke, I'll, I'll say it. There's nothing sexy about home services. Unless you spell sexy, M-O-N-E-Y. That, that, <laughs> that is exact. You hit it. That was perfect. That's exactly right. Money is sexy. Yeah, yeah. See, so, look, yeah, the art students can spell, too. Look yeah. at that. Six letter <laughs> words. <laughs> yep. So, so overall, uh, let's talk about, you mentioned technology earlier, Jeff. So, Let's talk about sort of the secret sauce, if you will, because one of the biggest things that we hear on a regular basis, well, I don't need a franchise. I can do it myself. Sure can. So yeah. what is so special? What do, you, what do you get as a franchisee? So, you know, look, we've obviously all been in franchising for a number of years. And if you could sit there and answer that question as to, you know, I, I could I can cook a burger right? Well, I could create my own burger place. You know, you may or may not know how to run a, a, you know, a handyman business or a painting business or a lash business or whatever. The franchising world, what we're bringing to the table is you're looking at somebody who on day one, we are going to, you know, teach you how to run a business. And week number one, you are starting work and we are going to help you scale a business. So there is no doubt that you could probably go out there and put a couple flyers in some, you know, some people's, uh, you know, mailboxes or, you know, throw a few Google ads out there and get some work. We're trying to coach and teach you how to run and scale a business. And I think that's probably the, the thing about franchising is the scalability. And it, you mentioned technology. So if you were to ask me what what you know what do I do on a day to day basis? So yesterday I was looking at uh, I spent time looking at a technology platform and asking this question: What is what is our world going to look like in 2030? What agreement do I want to have in place with this technology uh, company in in 2030? How would that impact our franchisees in 2030? It's 2022, right? We're about to turn into 2023. And so our role and our job, depending on you know who you're speaking to, is to look out into the future and go, what are we doing to help pave the way for our franchisees to continue to scale those businesses Absolutely. and to allow our franchisees to grow those businesses, get a return on capital when they decide to, to move on or sell those businesses? What does that business look like? And I think that 
if you're just sitting there running your own handyman business or lash business, you're sitting there thinking about how am I swinging the hammer or where am I going today? You Surviving the day. You got it. So, you know, our role is to try to help coach, teach, prepare you for what's down the line. And that's part of what we're doing as a franchisor. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing people forget about. It's not just the training. It's not just the marketing. It's not just the purchasing and the technology. It's the collaboration with successful franchisees. So let's talk about let's talk about the process. So, of course, I'm a franchise broker and there's others. You're going to get a, a lead. You're going to get somebody introduced to you. Luke, describe that process of, uh, yeah. you know, how do you know you have the right person? And, uh, you know, how long does this process typically take? Well, and, and you don't. You don't know if you have the right person. So the the key phrasing that I like to put with this is it's a mutual evaluation. So what my goal is, my goal is not to get you to say yes to Handyman Connection. Sorry, Jeff, that I'm not trying to make everybody no. <laughs> a Handyman Connection franchise. I want you to say yes or no. I frankly don't care whether you say yes or no. Because what we're going to do is we'll go through, you know, we, we've got it down to about a 40-day decision process. In those 40 days, we're going to go through, we're going to have one-on-one conversations where we learn more about each other as human beings. We're going to have two webinars. In the two webinars, we're going to talk about customer acquisition. How do we build a book of business? Because that's what, frankly, everybody's worried about. When in reality, we should be talking probably more about the second webinar, which is how do we find our talent? How do we run the business? What technologies are involved? How can we make it so that you have, we can coach you and you can coach your people? So that's covered through two webinars. Uh, after that, then we will get into a franchise disclosure discussion to where we will run you through that wonderful cure for insomnia that our wonderful lawyers have created. Well, and, um, and, and let me just inject that some uh, a little disclaimer, but a franchise disclosure document for those of you listeners, all franchise brands present that to you after the first call, after the second call. There's 23 items in there. Within that is the Item number 19 is the earnings claim that everybody gets excited about seeing <laughs> and other items that show the investment level and the range and all the detail. And uh, so franchising is regulated by the federal government. So uh, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But it is what it is and makes p- some people feel safe. Yeah. So we'll go through all of that. And, you know, we talk about, you know, the cool thing about the the franchise disclosure document there is we'll show everything. You know, this is what your startup costs are. This is how much operating capital we want. Kudos to Jeff. Jeff has put together an item 19 that frankly, I think discloses more information than anybody could possibly need. But for those so you mean you can are, make money in this business too? Yes. It's not just fun? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, come on. It's a sexy business. But we'll look at that. You know, I think most people are just dumbfounded by the size and scale of the businesses that we have. So we'll we'll walk them through that. We'll we'll show them what that document looks like. I then go through a process where we introduce them to our franchisees because we want them to hear from the people that have made the same decisions they're looking to make. And then the last step is I get to introduce them to Jeff and all the other members of our high-powered team. And at the end of that, then that's just really, again, yes or no. Is this the right fit? If it's the right fit, we'll put together some, some documents for you. If not, it's been so wonderful meeting you. Uh, you know, that's that's the process. How, do you do a face-to-face discovery day or meet the team day type thing? 
We're all over the place. We will meet the candidates wherever they need to go. We're excited. It looks like we're going to have uh, a live one here coming up in January. We've been doing them virtually. Uh, and the where, cool where do you about, have them? I'm sorry? Where do you have the discovery days? Normally, we're having them in franchise locations. The one that's coming up is actually going to be con- running in in conjunction with the uh, the franchisee conference that we're going to have. So the big national conference that we, I shouldn't say we're international, I guess, technically. Uh, but the North American Canada conference counts international. That we do. Yeah. yeah, Canada, that counts. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so we'll we'll have that in conjunction with that. You know, but we love doing it at the locations uh, as opposed to sitting them in one of our, you know, a boardroom of, of our office or whatever. Let's show them. Let's show them what what a real office, a living and breathing office, looks like. Yeah. So what? Uh, how many locations? We didn't discuss this yet. How many franchisees or how many territories are open and operating? And uh, what are your what are your future plans for that? You said you're already international. You're in Canada. <laughs> So, Canada counts. We, we we have 60 current franchisee uh, locations, 60 franchises open. So that's that's always it. for those in the franchising industry. It's like not, not only how many how many do you have, how many are open. So we have 60 franchisees uh, open at this point. We uh, we have a, a fair amount of open territory across the U.S. and uh, and Canada, and we're excited about that. Love it. You know, when we were talking a little bit about possibilities and numbers and all this. You know, a typical individual that decides on their own to start a handyman business because they're handy. That's naturally how people come up with things. You know how to make a burger. You attempt a burger restaurant because that's what you know. So I can't imagine an average handyman that's not a franchise is doing more than $250,000 a year in revenue. So uh, I would imagine your revenue is far higher because this is this is essentially for empire builders, for business folks. How, how do you tell people that? What are they finding out in the validation process and the item 19? What are they what are they hearing? Every brand has some pretty top franchisees for sure. Sure. I, I think what's exciting about us is we're we're as far as I can find, we're we're tops in the industry when it comes to our median franchise locations. You know, we're we're well north of seven hundred thousand dollars in our median. You know, we're excited about what's coming out in the new FDD. Come and see us in March. We're we're also excited about what our top line revenue single unit locations are doing. You know, we're we're north of the two million dollar mark in a single two million dollars in a handyman business. Well, here's here's what it is. This is what you got to tap into, and and this is to the point to where I want to even have this emblazoned on the backs of our handyman's shirt. But the big question of what else. You know, the pandemic was wonderful for this. The more time my wife spent looking at the same walls of our house, the more that crack in the drywall that never seemed to bother her before is now driving her absolutely crazy. <laughs> so it's, you know, Jeff does this this wonderful thing at at Meet the Team Day every time where we'll sit down with the, with the prospective candidate and we say, what do you need around the house? And they say, oh, I got a leak in the sink and I got a loose deck board and whatever. And then the spouse walks in. And we say, well, what do you think needs to be done? And this list is, you know, mile and a half long. So it's about tapping into that honeydew list. If you yeah. can tap into that honeydew list, not only are we talking about, you know, one of the big numbers is our average job ticket is, you know, north of $700. We're pushing the $800 mark. You know, we're seeing our customers frequently throughout the year. So it's really a reoccurring revenue stream model yeah. that most people don't think about. So well, because 
you you have trust and you know your franchise has trust and credibility and people feel safe calling you anytime they need something. Well, and, and we've we've Uberized and Amazonized to make up a couple of terms, the handyman business. So, you know, think about who's making the decision. Again, it's none of the three people on this call. Normally, it's that college-educated, married or engaged female between the ages of 27 to 65. They, That's my wife downstairs getting all kinds of stuff done now because she's yeah. retired. Yeah. And she's spending plenty of time fixing things right now. Good. Exactly. Good for her. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's tapping into that and catering to that decision maker. You know, that's all it is. So have an online presence, having uh, the ease of accessing us um, and then, you know, re-engaging with that customer every every 30 days. You know, that's that's yeah. the secret to success. So and, and just to just I'm sorry, cut you off, Lance, just just to clarify. So our average shop size in our FDD is uh, nine hundred and thirty three dollars and awesome. our average, not medium, but average uh, franchisee in our disclosure or FDD item 19 is uh, $715,675. Great numbers. Just Great numbers. off the top of my head. Yeah. <laughs> off, sure, off the top of your head. So, you know, a lot of people these days are talking about, well, what happens to XYZ franchise in the event of a recession? And oh. the beautiful part of what you guys do, I would imagine, is you're probably in a good spot. We, uh, you, <clears throat> pardon me, we, we are. Um, the cool thing about our business is, uh, and, you know, we didn't know this three years ago, but our business is fairly recession proof, fairly uh, riot proof. We didn't have to get closed down or we don't have storefronts like, you know, if there's uh, civil unrest going on. <laughs> we are uh, pandemic proof. Uh, we were deemed an essential uh, business. Uh, across the U.S. And when a recession happens, when your toilet breaks, you tend to get that thing fixed. Yes. Regardless of a recession going on or not. You may trade down and kind of go, I'm not going to do a, a massive kitchen remodel or bathroom remodel, but you tend to still get things fixed. And the good thing for us, and, and we're seeing it a bit out there again, you know, you see a how the housing starts slowing down a bit, which is actually for our industry pretty good because a lot of that labor force then comes back into our marketplace. Yes. So we're seeing more handymen, more craftsmen, more more carpenters, electricians fall back into our marketplace. And because again, our average job size this past year was nine hundred and thirty-three dollars, people are still getting that work done. And we are not a fad. We're not something that you sit there and go, you know what, that's a trend. So we, you know, I don't want to say that, uh, you know, we're, we're good in a recession. Uh, as long as we don't go into uh, to a depression, we've uh, we've seen our business picking up uh, during, you know, tougher times because we have an increased labor force. And unfortunately, or fortunately for us, things continue to break in people's homes. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> we, say, we say that as my six-year-old and 11-year-old comes storming through the house like a herd of elephants. There you go. <laughs> so uh, so if you were going to look at your top 10% of high-performing franchisees, or let's just say out of 60 franchisees, you know, the, the top 10, period, what, what did they all do before? 
obviously they didn't swing a hammer for a living, as we discussed for the most part. But what what did they do? You have a teacher, you have a lawyer, you have an engineer. I mean, they literally from every walk of life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> The the easy answer is is you know as I as I roll my eyes, which looks great on camera, to sit there <laughs> and think through some of the uh, the, the franchisees as far as their backgrounds. But it, you know, I I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I get to hear family stories. Like Luke will have them, you know, uh, before they're awarded a franchise, uh, I, I get the opportunity to sit down and, and hear their stories. And it's so interesting, you know, to go, what's your story? Like, what has brought you here today? And you hear the stories from, I was a teacher, or I I used to do marketing for this large company, or I used to run, I, I was speaking to, to somebody yesterday who uh, they ran HR for a very large company. And she was telling me how she had her best month ever. And, you know, we have had, you know, you know the, the head of HR for, a, you know, a, a Fortune 500 company uh, run a franchise. We've had people that have been the ex-banker or the, I don't know how many lawyers we have. Um, I don't know <laughs> if we have any lawyers, but we certainly, you know, would see people from a variety of, of industries and you hear their stories and, you know, sometimes it's, you know, I was... You know, you, you sit there and you go, why are you looking? And part of them goes, well, I was told I no longer have my job. So I have to figure out something, right? Uh, so there's not one specific background or industry that, you know, we would sit there and say, you know, we're, we're seeing people, you know, more from. And, and Luke, you you speak to more people than I do. So I don't know if you would. No, I, I think you're you're spot on. It, it's it's what i love about what what we do here is because it's not necessarily sales driven you know from the perspective that that we need the franchisee to be a salesperson uh there's a lot more opportunities you know like one of yeah. our top performers are young are young guns if we'll if we want to call them that one of our new franchisees that's less than a year uh yesterday i was on the phone with him and he was showing me pictures from when he was uh, part of the logistics team that moved around that giant wrestling apparatus for the WWE and, you know, did other things with sports. So we got cool stories like that. And then we've got, you know, Hey, I was, I was just, uh, you know, I, I was running a family and I got, I decided I wanted to run a business, you know, the range is huge. It, it's, it. it's again, the, the coaching mentality who wants to, if you can manage a family, you can manage our business. You know, who yeah. wants to run, who wants to run this? And and are you comfortable? The, I think the hardest question is, do you feel comfortable talking with people that are, that are blue collared employees? You know, that's, that's the biggest jump. I think for me is somebody that was a, you know, type A executive running other type A executives. There's a little bit of disconnect and a little bit of culture shock from going there to what we do here. But that's naturally going to be part of the training process to show them. And, you know, half the battle is knowing what you don't know. And you guys obviously include that into the training curriculum. Well, and I would say one of our big advantages that we have over most franchises is, frankly, the way that we look at recruiting. You know, if we look at our operations team and what they do, they all come from recruiting backgrounds. Uh, we have people that, that exclusively work with franchisees and talent acquisition. And, you know, that's the that's the biggest hurdle 
for any business. If you're yeah. a, if you're a sandwich shop or you're a gym, everybody's got help wanted signs up. And I think the way that we're dealing with talent acquisition and frankly, the value that it adds to the people that are joining our ranks as franchisees, but also the way that it, the value added to the people that are coming on as, as handymen or, or craftsmen, as we like to call them, you know, that's, that's a, that's a different way of, of coming to the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about marketing. So, all right, you join, you join Handyman Connection. Uh, how do I talk about customer acquisition and how do you, how do you blow somebody's territory up in a good way, that is? Yeah, well, we start small. Uh, you market with a laser. You don't market with a shotgun. Um, go after that key demographic group. Let's focus on those zip codes and let's not spread ourselves too thin. Um, you know, that's that's the simplest form of it. But, you know, again, it's about digital methods. It's about uh, still using a little bit of direct mail. But it, for us, the big thing is the re-engagement. We look at the you know, high percentage of repeat and referred customers that we have. It's about establishing that trust and putting less and less money towards a, a deep marketing campaign, but let's reinvest into the business and frankly, put some money in your pocket. And, and I, you know what, because I was just looking down, Luke just mentioned it, our, our repeat and referral, our average, and this is again, is, is listed in our item 19, our average number of uh, repeat and referral leads for our, for our franchisee in, last year was 862. Wow. In other words, uh, we're seeing, you know, our franchisees have continuing people come back to them annually. And so a big part of our marketing is because, look, the, the great thing about our business is, and Luke referred to this earlier, you may get us, you know, have us come out to your home to do something, right? Fix that plank in the door, fix the screen door, hang a picture. Inevitably, something else needs to be done in your home or something else will break in the next couple of months. Right. So we are easy to be top of mind every two, three, four months. And we'll see people use us oftentimes three, four times a year. So part of our marketing is definitely on the repeat and referral side. And we do all the standard stuff as far as marketing also. And, and you know what? Maybe, maybe one of your listeners has seen or, or heard of us. We're, on, we're, we're a pr uh, price, a prize, sorry, on the price is right. <laughs> wow, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah, we uh, you you can win a handyman connection for a day. So we are one of the the you know one of the prizes on there. It's you know it's it's interesting. One day when I had my mom call me and she's like, "Are you guys on the <laughs> prices right?" And it's like, "Yes, yes, we are." I love it. You went. Wait, do you win Jeff for the day? Is that what happens? <laughs> Categorically, yes. Well, it, then you'd have to place a value on me, and then you would go like you can't go lower than the dollar, right? So that's the problem: is you can't say I don't get value for Jeff, but you know during the day, like yeah. you know. I, I told you we don't want you swinging a hammer or turning a wrench. No, that no, applies no, to no. Jeff too. So. All right, guys. So final words of wisdom, final thoughts for both of you. We've un you've unloaded a lot of good information here for everyone. Luke, yeah, you I, first. Well, yeah, Jeff I'll, will get the last word. Yeah, he always does, regardless of what would happen anyway. You know, it's a process. Have fun with it and be honest. Uh, you know, be honest with yourself with that whatever business venture you're coming into. There's going to be plenty of people. You know, I, I played a game with the candidates that I was working with over Thanksgiving. Tell me what crazy Uncle Larry is going to tell you, the most outlandish reason and why you shouldn't get into business. I want to have that because, you know, I, I want to put that in my arsenal of, of reasons not to do this. But 
you know, there's going to be the naysayers, you know, but that's why you look to a franchise that has the dedicated team of professionals that we do. And frankly, you know, we want to grow. We want to grow aggressively, but we also want to grow with the right people because, you know, with Jeff being the owner, CEO, and president, he's going to be with you. You know, this isn't like some conglomerate that, you know, you're, you're just franchise number 32. You know, this is this is something that that we're very passionate about. You know, we look at our franchisees like family. So we, we've got a good blend of of things that will go into this. So, yeah, honesty is the key. Jeff? I uh, So in our Meet the Team Day, I, I usually close and, and I, I refer, I, I have a picture of my house. It's, it's kind of a, a weird picture. It's this, I don't even know what it is, like this this colorful thing. And it's holding this box over its head. And it's the box, it says something to the effect of, you know, all the stuff you said you wanted to do. And underneath, uh, you know, it says that only weighs a lot if you didn't find the time to do all the things you said you were going to do. And so I mentioned earlier, like over my career, I've had the opportunity to, uh, to sit with a number of people and it's amazing how you almost hear nine out of 10 times people tell the story of, I've always wanted to run my own business, right? It's always been my dream. And we inevitably go like, what's holding you back, right? And it's that box of stuff. And I also ask people, I'm like, okay, imagine yourself and, and you know, many people have kids and, and you sit there and I, we call it a lemonade moment and we call it, you know, you're on your porch front porch, nice sunny day, and uh, your kids or, or people you love eventually come up to you and you're drinking your glass of lemonade or wine or beer or your cocktail. And they ask if you're happy, right? And all of us are going to sit there and you're going to go, ooh, right? Like, let's assume that these are, are young adults or, you know, in their 20s that are asking you this question or people, people that love you. And you're going to pause, right? Because you're going to go, ooh, like, am I really happy? And they're going to go, you know, are you happy with the decisions you made? And we're all going to have those, those thoughts that go through our head, like, am, am I happy with the decisions I made in, in life and in love? And, you know, if they push you to go, are you really happy? And I always encourage people as you, you sit back and go, how would you answer that question? A lot of us are in positions and, and we work or work for companies because that's what we thought we needed to do. We thought that uh, once you graduate college or you get your degree, you go work for somebody. And it's amazing that, again, the majority of these people I speak to have always said, I, you know, I've always wanted to run my own business. And I think there's a big fear there. And, you know, as you know, as we get older, we become a little bit more reminiscing and, and you kind of go like, you know. Is it really the safe route to have gone and work for the corporation that, that may lay, you know, lay off at some point? Is it, are you happy? And so I always encourage people, I'm like, look, if you've always wanted to do something, go. There's always excuses out there. Always. Help move them out of the way. And what advice would you give your kids? Would you want you, would you be happy if your kids gave you all of the reasons and excuses while they didn't chase their dreams? So I always pause and just kind of go like, look, if you've always wanted to run your own business and, and have the opportunity 
to uh, really go for it. Franchising is an excellent opportunity for people to work with you, to coach you, to help support your dreams and go for it. What a great place to end it, Jeff. That's awesome. You know, people always talk about timing and a lot of people complain that it's not good, not the right time. Well, when will be the right time? <laughs> you know what? And look, we look back and you go, when's the right time to start a business? During a pandemic? I mean, it, it turned out it was a great time for the home services area. A pandemic. So who would have thought that? Or, you know, a recession? A recession's a pretty good time, right? You know, there's Absolutely. a lot. Of, you can always come up with, and there's going to be something else, Lance. We don't know what. There's going to be another excuse down the line. You know, oh, so-and-so or something happened or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the great news is we are your resources and we are here to help. Luke and Jeff, thank you so much. Handyman Connection. And I appreciate you guys being here, okay? Great. Appreciate it. Thanks, Lance. I'll talk to you guys both very soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening today. Please like, follow, and subscribe. This is Lance Gralick. Until next time.